Tennessee Titans Sock, week 17, our final regular season game of the year. Landon, John, how much of a Texans team are we going to get? We don't really know who we're, who we're actually playing. You know, we could be seeing their starters, you know, fighting tooth and nail. We could see their backups. It's really hard to tell. Landon, I think what Bill O'Brien had to say was a bit cryptic, or am I reading into it? Uh, basically that they'll, they'll play to win. He was asked pointedly, are you going to play all your guys that are healthy? Yes. But now we see some guys added to the injury report. For me, Landon, right off the bat, Larry Tunzel had some significance, I don't think major insignificance, back injury. No way he plays, right? If their left tackle doesn't play, there's no way we're going to see Watson, right? I can't believe that they're going to have everybody out there. They've been banged up. Do they have anything to play for? Actually, they do, and it's very interesting how the NFL has swapped around the scheduling of these games because right now the Chiefs are the three seed and the Texans are the four seed but the Chiefs play at noon while we play the Texans in the afternoon slot if the Chiefs win the Texans have absolutely nothing to play for they should rest all their starters unless they just want to avoid rust because they have nothing to gain they will be the four seed no matter what but if the Chiefs somehow lose to the Chargers the Texans have something to play for because if they beat us not only do they knock us out of the playoffs one of their biggest rivals which is always something you want as a team to kill your rival's season. But then they could jump to the three seed. And that means, assuming they win their first game, they play New England in the divisional round, which they already beat, even though the game was in Houston. And they avoid playing the Baltimore Ravens, who are clearly the top team in the playoffs so far. And that really matters to a team, because if you have to fight the best of the best, you want it to be the AFC Championship game, where you get two weeks of rest, Rather than you fight and you slog and you somehow slay the Giant in the Divisional, then you have to go to Foxborough the very next week. So it really just depends on, does Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs lose a very winnable game against the Chargers? No NFL coach or player would ever admit to looking down the road to what seed they'd want to play. But do you think that would be a factor this Sunday? An unsaid factor for the Texans is uh, if, like Landon says, if somehow the Chiefs drop this game to the Chargers, that they would be all in just uh, just to try to get that third seat and uh, maybe avoid the Ravens another week? Because I think that's a bit of a tall tale, but... I think it's kind of accurate. I mean, obviously they're going to have... They're not going to have a whole lot of time to declare their inactives before the start of the game, but, you know, kind of by, by the halftime... By halftime of the Chiefs game, they'll have an idea of how that game is going to play out. And like, like Landon said, it's a... It's a very winnable game for the Chiefs. I don't imagine them dropping it. You know, they could play advantageous like that. It it really is an interesting position, and hats off to the NFL for the way they've structured this last end of the season, last month or so, uh, because I really think they've got it figured out to a point where, you know, every game over the last two weeks has been pretty, you know, it, it, the ones that we care about are pretty critical, even heading into Week 17. It's really interesting, but uh, me personally, if I were a head coach in the NFL and I were in the position of the Texans, I would totally play to what I thought was going to happen in coming weeks. If I could rest my starters and go play Baltimore healthy or play the the Patriots healthy, you know, I'm definitely going to pick my match up there. You know, kind of like us, kind of like Mike Vrabel. He gambled sitting Derrick Henry and having him ready for this week, and hopefully it pays off. That's a good point. We we did that, but. Uh, I just think the idea of avoiding teams, it just seems kind of non-macho NFL, but uh, I think it does happen on some level. 
I think this decision might be somewhat made for the Texans, like we mentioned earlier, with Tunsil being out. Fuller is uh, not 100%. We know to a degree J.J. Watt is practicing in preparation for uh, the first week of the playoff, not for this game. So there is a lot kind of heading towards their – naturally sort of looking towards that game. So my gut feeling is we're going to see A.J. McCarron and other backups at key positions. What's y'all's ultimate sort of gut feeling Sunday of who the Titans are going to see? I would expect there to be a lot of backups because Hopkins didn't practice yesterday on Wednesday with the illness he sat. Deshaun Watson popped up in the injury report with a back injury, and obviously we know how athletic and how he loves to gamble on those leaping touchdown runs, and he's had injuries in the past where he's landed awkwardly. And so something has obviously flared up there. Those are two of their biggest pieces on offense, the quarterback and their receiver. I believe Will Fuller has already been ruled out by Bill O'Brien, and their offense has already looked much worse when he's not on the field. I would really expect to see a lot of backups at any position where the starter is a key player, he's a good player, and is anyway banged up. Because if you play this game and there's no stakes, and you lose an offensive lineman, that really hurts you down the line because... The strength of your team has been weakened. There's cracks in the roster now. And what for? To win a game against a rival that didn't matter? In reality, it was just just to drum up momentum. If Bill O'Brien is smart, he's going to rest anyone that's important to their victory in the playoffs because this game probably isn't going to matter. And he shouldn't care whether or not we get in just because we play in the same division. It's interesting you say that, Landon, because Will Fuller does make their offense different and the first person i've heard say that was big fella three weeks ago and i've heard a half a dozen national pundits say that since he really does kind of make you think if will fuller isn't the first domino if not larry tunsell's back is well he's not playing so let's just get everybody healthy right john i i I don't think we're going to see anybody who's actually listed on the injury report on Sunday. Uh, I think they're all in the injury report because it gives them the questionable designation and then the team can sit them without any kind of foul play involved, you know, as far as the NFL injury report goes, because you have to be really transparent with all that. And yeah, you, you mentioned it with Will Fuller. I hate that guy. And I would be so happy if he sat out because he just has a knack for making that offense go. And, you know, he gets Hopkins one-on-one coverage and you know, uh, looking at this injury report, it's Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, Laramie Tunsil, Kenny Stills, Deshaun Watson, Bernardrick McKinney. Get, those are the big ones that I'm, I'm seeing right now. And imagine if any one of those three wide receivers were hurt, had a worsened condition because of, like Landon said, our game that really doesn't benefit them much, much whatsoever. If they lose any one of those pieces, they're going to be limited severely. So I expect at least all three of those wide receivers to sit and get healthier for their playoff run, whatever, however short it may be. I think you've underlined perfectly as to why we're not going to see those guys. Let's talk about our injuries, and we've got a significant injury report just in number of folks. I want to start with the receivers. For me, if I'm reading in between the lines, we've added two receivers to the active roster, so I don't expect to see Khalif Raymond or Corey Davis, but both in the concussion protocol you expect to see either one of those guys this week? Raymond 100% is going to be out. That hit he took, there's no way in good conscience we should let him play on this field. And yes, it's a hurt. He's been big on returns, but we brought back Darius Jennings, who was a great return man for us last year. So obviously Raymond's is likely not to play. And then with Corey Davis, he's been very consistent over the season. He hasn't wowed anyone, but he's still a starting receiver for us. 
He's not AJ Brown. He's not. He doesn't make this offense go. It's not the end of the world if we lose him. And yes, we're gonna play backups, and we should win this game in all likelihood. But losing Corey Davis, if it's just to get him healthy, or even if he legitimately has a concussion, it's not the end of the world. And Corey Brent, Davis my, has been consistent in the way that he's been good down the stretch for two good, tough first downs. But that just, for whatever reason, appears to be his role on this team. Yeah, it's just every game he has those flashes where he makes the tough physical catch, he runs after the catch, he gets three catches for 50 yards. And down the stretch when we're making this playoff push, it feels like every catch he's made has been impactful. He's not just taking dump-offs running out of bounds when we're up big or we're just in garbage time. Every play matters, especially in that Texans game where he really showed up and kept us in the game at times. He's like A.J. Hawk for the Packers a long time ago where they drafted him really high. He was really consistent. He never was the issue on the on the defense at linebacker, but he was never the guy you wanted at fifth overall. He was never the star, the guy that transformed things, but he was good enough, and sometimes that's all you want. Like Corey Davis, he's going to have over a decade in the NFL because he's very consistent. He plays within his role. He blocks his butt off. He does. He's a great guy. He does everything the team wants. It's just he was drafted too high. If he were drafted where A.J. Brown were drafted, and A.J. Brown were drafted fifth overall, both those picks would look really good because A.J. Brown looks like he's going to be a superstar, and Corey Davis is a very consistent death piece. It's just he was drafted too high. Big fellow, what do you think about Adoree Jackson and uh, if we're going to see him Sunday. I get really nervous about Adoree Jackson because I thought he was trending up. He had a limited practice last week um, and they had a Christmas Eve walkthrough and everybody on the injury report was participating in that. So part of me thinks he's going to go. The other part of me, you know, with a foot, you never know. And with a guy who his main weapon is speed, it's really hard to tell if a foot is going to keep him out because he and, and a foot injury. It could feel fine, and then when you're running full speed in a game, it could creep up really quick. Um, so it's really hard to tell uh, what's going on with his foot. I'd love him to play if he's ready. Obviously, for the past multiple weeks, we've taken him off special teams, and I think that's going to be key for him so he can focus on playing defense. I think he'll I think he'll see action. If not, I'm convinced he'll be shut down for the year. Because if he's not ready by now, he's not going to be ready in another week. But, you know, I, I wanted to chime in on the Corey Davis thing. I actually think he will play. Our, our, our training staff does a really good job at these concussion injuries. And I think the fact that Corey Davis has been able to practice in a limited fashion... To me, that means he's trending the right way, and he should be ready for Sunday. And keep in mind, this is playoff football for us. The last time we were in the playoffs, Corey Davis was our main source of points against the Patriots. Now, granted, we were kind of blown out, but he made two impressive touchdown catches against them. So I kind of like him as my dark horse go-to guy through the playoffs because he's been there, he's done it. Um, and, and I look for him to, to make some impact plays. Obviously, we're using him a little differently than we have in the past, but I think he can still be a valuable piece for us. Tell me quickly what you think about Adoree Jackson. John mentions it. He doesn't know that we'll see him again this season. What's your gut feeling or intel on Jackson? And give us your thoughts on Humphreys and Henry. Uh, we expect to see both those guys back, but kind of just round out these injuries for us. Well, with Humphreys and Adoree Jackson, Mike Vrabel has said that he feels confident in their availability on Sunday. And obviously it's big even just to shake off the rest because Humphreys and Adoree have missed multiple games. And I would expect Adoree to be in limited action. 
the Texans' top three receivers are all in the injury report, so it's not like we're throwing them back out there and say, hey, run with Will Fuller down the field or get physical with DeAndre Hopkins. It's a very favorable matchup for a guy who's missed several games worth, needs to shake off the rust, and make sure he feels confident in his body for the rest of the season. And with Humphreys, I would expect the same thing because he's had so many games to get healthy in. At this point, you everyone has some kind of injury, and if it's not major, I expect guys to play through it just because they all love the game they want to be out there. And Humphreys, he's tough. He's tough as nails. He's going to be out there. He's had plenty of games, and I think, like we talked about before the Saints game, before we walked in there, if, this, if that game were do or die, if we had to win out to make the playoffs, a bunch of these guys that were out last week would be playing. And Humphreys was one of those guys that I think could have played, but we chose to be safe. So I think at this point, I would expect Adoree and Humphreys to return. Like you just said, and Big Fella said earlier, this is why we took that risk Sunday. This is why we didn't go totally after the Saints, and hopefully it pays off in close to 100% Humphreys and especially Derrick Henry. Yeah, Derrick Henry's going to play. He's been a full participant. He... There's no question he's going to play. The question is, is he going to be at 100%? That was the gamble, and I expect him to be shot out of a cannon Sunday. Right? I think he's going to. Be, I think he's 200%. I watched his interview today with the reporters, and he was honestly he looked kind of pissed off at the questions. And you know, yeah, he you said like Sunday he'd ready. be mad that they didn't play because he wants to get yards. He's in contract year, and you can tell his body language in the last month. He's running angry, and he's he's just. I think he's anxious about his contract and all this stuff, and that's exactly where we want him. We just want him. Just uh, I absolutely just come out just come out like a wild man Sunday, right? Uh, I want to see it, and I can't wait. And I hope he just absolutely puts this game away for us early so we, we can rest some guys. You never know. Even with A.J. McCarron and company, this can be a fight. It's going to be there. It's going to be really interesting. You can take nothing for granted in this league. Uh, we've been fans long enough to know that. One thing I did want to point out after looking Sunday, we know that our guy Derek Roberson, our undrafted rookie, and we've had a few undrafted rookies just from this class make an impact. It's a testament to having a general manager who spent many years just as a field and then a regional scout that we find these guys. Uh, Roberson, I'd mentioned before, my big worry is uh, our lack of pass rush, and especially uh, in the last month or so. felt like it was really evident in uh, the Texans game a few weeks ago. We looked a lot better Sunday. Roberson had two sacks on Drew Brees, sacks aren't everything, but for this guy who is uh, a literal rookie, played in college last year, undrafted, really impressed me. Yeah, I think it really speaks to the coordinator's ability to play guys into the roles that fit their strengths because on both those pass rushes, it was a bit of a longer... Drew Brees held the ball a bit longer than usual. The pass coverage did did his job. But Roberson also took a very long outside path. That just speaks to Dean P's ability to scheme to guys' strength. He's not going to bull rush inside, do a swim swim move and go around him. He's going to take the outside. He's going to out-athlete the bigger tackle and get around the edge. And that's what he did. He finally got around the tackle's hips and he sacked the quarterback, and it just speaks to how the coordinators know how these guys fit, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and they put them in positions to succeed. There's a reason he's been playing at pass rush on the far edge, and he hasn't been moved inside hardly at all. Dean Pease is a veteran defensive coordinator. He knows what he's doing, and he knows how to get the most out of these guys. That's really well said. I'll take it a step further, big fella. Uh, I think he's in their long-term plans. Uh, they hope for him to be a rotational pass rusher 
in the future. And I think that's why we might have seen Sharif Finch uh, wave last week, right? And all reports that I've seen about Sharif Finch is injuries. So he actually has already been waived by the Bengals due to a failed physical. And he kind of fell out of favor with this team. And I think the team likes Roberson a real lot. He's been around um, since training camp. He's been on and off the roster and on and off the practice squad. So I think he's a guy that they want a reason to keep. And I think last week we got that reason. Came up in some big moments, like you guys mentioned. He had two big sacks. And the first one, literally a game changer. The mo- the momentum swang. Right? And it wasn't just like one of these like situational sacks where he just bumped into Drew Brees and Drew Brees fell over. He got him. <laughs> So, and I think our defense needs that kind of play, and we need some physicality. And he, you know, little stat for you, he became the first Titans rookie with two or more sacks in a game since back in 2014 when Avery, Avery Williamson did that against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, even beyond the sacks, we've seen him sort of show up as he's went along and gotten a little experience. For me, if we're going to make a run and, and win a game or two or whatever, as Titan fans just absolutely dream of right now. If we're going to do that, we're going to have to produce pass rush, and we produce that in unique ways. But somebody is just going to have to do it. Harold Landry has, has progressed and is, is looking like he has a bright future. He's, he cannot do it alone. Casey uh, had a sack last week, and Simmons is coming along. Hopefully we'll see him back and healthy. But we need another guy. I guess that would have to be Roberson. We talked about him last spring when we did our post-draft discussion of our free agent pickups and he was there and the guy has potential and he played at Stephen F. Austin a smaller school in Texas but he's a talented guy and it's really neat to see for years and years as a Titans fan what did we ever really produce from undrafted guys except for maybe the diamond the rough every now and then it's like we get these late round guys these free agents we the back end of our roster just really impresses me Roberson is the next guy we'll see we don't know but I would love to see him continue to be a number and a name we see, especially this Sunday. Landon, let me ask you about A.J. McCarron. Give us a scouting report on him and what we should expect Dean Pease and company are going to approach him Sunday. As we've seen over this entire season, backups are backups for a reason. You don't want them to play long-term, and they're there just to steady the water. And that's what A.J. McCarron is. He doesn't strike you anyway. And the biggest thing in terms of how we're going to scheme against him He's nowhere near the dynamic athlete Deshaun Watson is. That was really what swung the game, I thought, when we played them in Nashville two weeks ago. Because we would play good coverage, we would contain guys, but Watson would slip through sacks, he would juke guys, and he'd run for first downs. A.J. McCarron is not going to do that. I will tell you that. He doesn't have the arm that Deshaun Watson does. He doesn't have the moxie, the willingness to just let it rip that Deshaun Watson does. And that's why he's a backup. He's conservative. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't screw things up for the team. Obviously, if he's not given Hopkins, Fuller, Stills, I'm not scared of him at all because if it's the backup quarterback with the backup receivers and we're worried about if we can stop them, this team has no business being in the playoffs. You get in the playoffs, you beat this, ba- you beat up on this backup quarterback with backup weapons, you get into the playoffs, uh, or you're just not a good enough team. It's that simple. Big fellow, what do you think the biggest pitfall and potential for disaster is Sunday for the Titans, assuming we don't see most of the, of the frontline starters for the Texans. I think our biggest pitfall is not coming out with a bang. We need to, if starters or not, we need to come out and get some early momentum. It's going to be a hostile environment. I don't care who they're playing. Houston is a tough place for us to play in that dome, and it's going to be loud, and they realize their fans, they're going to be there hoping that they have something to play for, and they're going to be loud regardless. My biggest worry is that, this game feels too winnable. It almost feels like we're just being marked in to the playoffs with, with this W. 
because everyone expects the backups to play. They expect us to win. Over the past couple of years, this is one of the teams that is infamous for playing down to the level of competition and assuming that because everyone thinks we're going to win, they just earned it, even though they haven't. Two years ago when we made the playoffs, we lost to the 49ers and the Cardinals back-to-back, two bad teams that we had no business losing to. Why? Because we knew we were the better team. We assumed that we were going to win just because we were the better team, and we came out and we flopped. And this is a similar type of situation. We expect backups. Everyone expects us to win. Everyone expects us to make the playoffs. And if we go in overcom and we just assume that we're going to win, then it, it could be a little scary because this is the NFL. Nothing is just given. You have to earn it. I have a few observations from last Sunday. Looking back at, at the film of that and rewatching that game at home, number one, Landon was uh, just outraged Sunday, and I think for good reason. When that happened and even looking back on it, it is not a helmet-to-helmet hit, but it was certainly – a defenseless receiver. They just have got to do something. The guy lost possession of the ball because when you see him get hit, we've got a lot of actors play receiver and guys that think they're acting. Raymond's legs swing back over his body in a way. They just give you chills. That's the part of the game that I want to see, I never want to see again. It was just almost worse somehow seeing it in a replay. Did either either one of you guys get a chance to go back and see that play? I looked at it again that's really what sold it to me as an actually dangerous hit and not just it was a hard hit that unfortunately happened to a player who was going down to the ground because he gets hit and he fumbles the ball not because it's a hard hit but because he goes limp I think he actually lost conscious you just see it he gets hit everything just stops he doesn't move at all until he gets off the ground a couple seconds later and then one of the teammates tells him to lay back down because he just got cracked in the head and it's just stuff like that where Yes, it's hard. He was going down to the ground, but still. He took a shot to the head, and he got knocked down. That's just something that has to be fixed. And it's frustrating because I don't want to be homer. I don't want to think the rest have it out for us. But if that were Michael Thomas going across the middle, and Vaccaro cracked him like that, and he went limp, and he fumbled. That's a flag every time. And it's just frustrating that player safety has skewed so much towards the big players on the best teams, and quarterbacks in particular. Protect the fifth best receiver on the Titans because that's what you do. If a guy gets cracked in the head, it doesn't matter what the name on the back of the jersey is or how much he makes or who he plays for. If a guy gets knocked out, that's a flag. You've got to call it. And now, thankfully, that wasn't the playoffs. That wasn't our season that we lost. And thankfully, it doesn't look like Raymond's going to have any long-term implications, at least at the moment. But still, it's just another microcosm of how the NFL just gets so much wrong. I couldn't agree more because it does seem like uh, there's a bit of a standard there, even if not consciously. Raymond is a guy that has worked literally for three and a half years to make this dream happen. And yes, it wasn't helmet to helmet, but he was clearly heading down. He wasn't trying to escape the first tackle. Over time, defensive players are going to have to rewire themselves to to not get that last hit. It's just there's no place in, in our game for this anymore. And I think that starts by that being consistently called. We just don't need to see that anymore. Yeah, I didn't think it was a dirty hit at it was certainly dangerous, but it wasn't dirty. It was unnecessary, wasn't, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't foul. He, he wasn't headhunting. He wasn't trying to make a statement. He was just trying to make a play like he had been taught his whole life. And unfortunately, that kind of play just yeah. needs to go away for the safety of the game and the integrity of it. So best wishes to Raymond. He's just such a gamer and just a terrific player. But like you said, uh, ho- hopefully he'll be back with us and soon. Another observation that I had for rewatch Sunday's game, Johnny Smith, every week you see him, oh, he has this catch, or he has a good rapport with Ryan Tannehill. It's sort of graduated from that, hasn't it, to where this guy has a future as 
I think his ceiling is multiple Pro Bowls. I really do think that. You see why they drafted him. He looks the part, and he's coming into his own. He's shown flashes. He's a good guy, but he's a really good athlete. Chris Long does a podcast on The Ringer with Ryan Russillo, mentioned offhand. Johnny Smith's going to be a really good player down the road. When I played against him, guy blocked well, and we're, we're seeing how explosive he is. Chris Long was a good player for a long time. I take those guys at their word. I'm really high on uh, on Johnny Smith. What about you, John? He's ready to take that next step. I remember when you and I saw him in Cleveland during their warm-up, he was enormous. You and I were both like, "That is that." Is that Johnny Smith over there? Because he was just swole. And, the guy I mean, looks as good in pads yeah. as you could possibly look, right? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, he's made a lot of plays more recently. And I think it's just we've gotten him the opportunities. And I think the consistency at the quarterback position has helped him tremendously. I think he's ready to do it. He's ready to replace Delaney Walker. And I think this is a perfect time for him to peak. And if Delaney Walker comes back next year... He can play a complimentary role because obviously he doesn't have a whole lot left in the tank. I don't think so. Uh, I love Delaney Walker and what he's done for this team over the years has been nothing short of incredible. But I really do think it's Janu's time. He's really proven he can do it. He's proven he can be, he's a gamer. He comes up in big situations. And I really think he's going to be a long-term part of this, this team. Landing the plan, I would think, in the front office, and you already think like a member of a front office, is a the way this offense works and the way just the way we go about things, uh, our offensive philosophy is this three-headed monster from an offensive playmaking standpoint of Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Johnny Smith. That's what this front office and coaching staff sort of sees for the future, right? Oh, absolutely. All these guys are on the younger side now. Obviously, Henry's going to have to get a new deal, and Johnny Smith is going to enter his final year of his rookie contract next year. But all these guys are young. They've had to sit. They've had to earn it. None of these guys were just handed a starting job. Derrick Henry had to sit behind DeMarco Murray for a year and a half. Johnny Smith had to sit behind Delaney Walker for two years. And it's, they've really just started to click with Tannehill because he understands how they work. And he he really shows just the potential they have. Johnny Smith with his speed and his ability to run after the catch for a guy who plays tight end. So many times, especially with his touchdown last week against the Saints, he breaks a weak leg tackle and then he's just outrunning defensive backs, and you don't really see that a lot from Titans. They, usually they're rumbling, they're bigger, stronger, they run over guys. But Johnny Smith is like Evan Ingram in a way. He's pretty much a receiver out there running routes, except unlike Evan Ingram, Johnny Smith has shown that he's a really willing and strong blocker, and that obviously feeds into Derrick Henry hitting his stride, really rumbling downfield and just carrying the load on offense because if you don't have Titans you trust to block, you're not going to be able to pound the rock all the time like we like to do. And Johnny Smith has been really good. And even last year, on Derrick Henry's 99-yard touchdown run, Johnny Smith blocks two guys at the exact same time to let Derrick Henry get a hole. And it's really just, it's really fun to watch young guys where you can see the potential, you see them struggle, you see how, especially with Johnny Smith coming out of Florida International, just making the jump is hard. It's like a fish out of water, it's, their rookie moments. It's really just fun to see these young guys come into their own, especially when it's on our team. Sunday, I want us to. I want to see us um, upset Kansas City the following week, like we've done before. And I want to see us make a run and sort of change our identity nationally. And I want to see Ryan Tannehill be really tough. And I want to see him have a long-term home here. And with these guys we've uh, we've discussed. But for me, I want to see that, or it's going to be a lot of teams have young, talented players. 
Uh, but even if we don't, I, I have a lot of excitement about our future. And I don't think this gets talked about a lot. But moving forward, we have a good young core. And we have some veterans that have continued to play well as they hit 30 or after. And I just like the balance of this team. And I certainly like the talent that gets brought in through free agency and especially the draft each year. And if we can find a quarterback that can play consistently, and we'll see, right? But the early returns, uh, as in nine or 10 games, are good. I am bullish about the long-term future of this. We can just start naming names. The three guys we mentioned, Tannehill, Kevin Byard, Adoree Jackson, not every team, I think we take it for granted. These guys, uh, almost every one of these guys are, are under 28. No, I agree. We have a really good young core with a great complement of veteran players. And I think those veteran players are helping to mold the younger players. And I think that's going to translate huge for us in a couple of years when our current young players are veteran players. And I think it's just we're going to be set up for a long time. And I think that, you know, all credit goes to the front office and John and John Robinson. I really just think we're set up in a great way. I remember years ago, everybody was like, oh man, the, the Seattle Seahawks have the best young nucleus and the best team and this and that and the other thing. And don't get me wrong, they do. They have a good, a good system of bringing players in and drafting well, and I think we do too. So I, I'm really excited about this team. And like we've talked about this episode and more, that we have a lot of contracts to hand out. And that's a good position to be in because players are getting to their second contracts right. and third or whatever They're it might be. They're actually earning that money where before we right. didn't have anybody on the second contract because we didn't draft anybody good enough. Right, and nobody ever wanted to come to Tennessee. And now we're getting, you know, we're getting those premier free agents that we want to, you know, host. And then they decide to come here like Cam Wake. You guys know how excited. Seffold had options. Humphreys had options. Oh, yeah, for sure. Humphreys had an offer from the Patriots, which he turned down because he he already accepted an offer from us where other guys may have just been like, okay, you know what? New England's calling and I am going to go with them. But he chose to stay true to his word and stick with us. And, you know, he's played well. Granted, he's had some injuries. But, you know, I mean, he's going to be a key focal point for us going forward. So, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of great things happen this weekend throughout the playoffs. Some things I really am looking forward to on Sunday. I would love A.J. Brown to go over 1,000 yards. He's currently at 927, so it's within the realm of possibility for him. Um, I'd love to see Derrick Henry get to 1,500 yards in the regular season. He's at 1329, also a realistic possibility for him. But yeah, you know, kind of like you, I want a good showing throughout the playoffs. I want the the national media to to take notice and to give us the respect that I think we've we've earned. Well, you make a good point. And I think nationally, I think we're starting to get that respect. What we need to understand is our culture, it's taken 4 years has slowly moved towards not to this coming up short or find a way to lose type. We have to get that monkey off our back and that comes by winning big games when it counts and consistently. But I will say this from following the NFL draft closely since 1993, that Johnny Smith taken in, what, 90-something, right, at the end of the third round, this is a guy that was picked to develop that had the physical skills and makeup to be good now. Delaney Walker was not pro bowler in his first four seasons. And that's really good drafting is you draft guys to come along at the right time. If you're drafting guys to fill holes immediately, the, you're going you're gonna to reach for a guy. And so we've got to understand John Robinson is not perfect. He has not made every pick perfect. But I think a lot of these guys are coming into their own right now. John made an excellent point earlier. It's like Corey Davis is not Michael Thomas, but he is dependable. 
down the stretch. And our offense just isn't really set up for a guy like that per se. It's more set up for a really tough, strong guy to basically set his own pick on a, on a go route like we've seen A.J. Brown do. And Corey Davis is, if we're going to make a run here, he is going to have to have one or two big catches a game. So even those guys, he's kind of picked the right guys for this culture. At the end of the day, a lot of teams are rounding third. We want to see, eventually, I want to see this team be a championship contender, if not this season, then moving forward. I think we're, and you never know, heading in that right direction, Landon. Yeah, we're certainly trending up in the draft history with John Robinson is so stellar that it really makes you think that there's no reason that this is a fluke that we're going to crash back down to earth because since the Kevin Dodd draft, his first draft as a GM, which to be fair, his second round was absolutely terrible outside of Derrick Henry with Kevin Dodd being a colossal bust and Austin Johnson underwhelming. But since then, you could argue that his worst pick has actually been Corey Davis just because Corey Davis hasn't lived up to the standards that come with his draft position. But Davis is a very good receiver. He starts for us. He blocks for us. He, every big run down the field, he's out there blocking in, helping set it up. He makes clutch catches on third downs when we need him the most. Since then, every player that we've drafted with a pick that matters outside of like the seventh round, they have their role on this team. John Brown the fifth. He's a fringe Pro Bowl player. We got him. In the 150s and the past couple years the past two years specifically all of his picks within the first five rounds are contributors there's not one guy that doesn't contribute in some way if not start we've gotten five starters over the past two years jeffrey simmons rashawn evans harold landry nate davis aj brown we got five starters in two years and nate davis as much as he struggled this year obviously transit transit transitioning from a He's smaller improved school mightily in the last month Absolutely. He's got, yeah, he's got a lot of... He, he has got NFL, he's got starting guard potential written all over him. There's no question. Yeah, He's got a lot of potential for a rookie third-round guard. And it's just really nice to see consistent drafting where it's not, oh, God, we drafted a guy who had some crazy injury history in college and never produced, but he could be really good. It's, yeah, this guy was really good on a good team in college and has the measurables and, the his, and doesn't have injury history, is a great person, and he just fits everything you want. And it's just really great to have that confidence going into a draft every year that we're going to come out of that draft with several contributors and starters at the very least. And if we can keep that kind of drafting, not necessarily the Seahawks where they hit, and it seems like every draft pick they made was a pro bowler or a great player. If we can just draft consistently over the next couple of years, we're going to be riding thick of things for a championship, especially with how quickly one season can become magical. I think it's a good point. And you mentioned Seattle again. Spent three years sort of mired just above mediocrity. They showed a lot of potential. They put it together. Uh, their best players came to task. And their coaching staff matured as far as play calling and game management and all that. And it all sort of just came together. And all we're talking about right now is hot air unless that comes together. That's what I want to see. I would like to be, I'd like for us to look back in five years and say, this is the beginning of that run that they had where they showed that championship potential. Guys, let's wrap up. Y'all give me a prediction. Big fellow, we'll start with you. You know, I don't want to be too much of a homer, but I think that's what you have to be at this point of the season. I think we're going to win big. I'm thinking we are going to win something like 42 to 10. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but I feel very confident this will be a two-possession game even factoring in some late garbage time touchdowns by A.J. McCarron. I give it 33-17 times when we punch our ticket to the playoffs. Let's go to Kansas City. Let's ruin their hopes once again. See you in two weeks.
That'll be a really interesting conversation that we'll have about that matchup, and I can't wait to hopefully begin talking about that. We didn't spend any time talking today about Steelers-Ravens. I don't expect anybody to really play uh, Sunday for the Ravens. I don't know why they would. I think the Steelers will probably get the job done, but it doesn't matter, and that's why we didn't talk about it a lot. We win, and we're in, and hopefully that's it. Uh, I would say 34-21, that's my big hope that we can just take care of business and move on, guys. Uh, That's what I certainly hope. Y'all have had great insight today. Appreciate everyone listening. Titans TalkCast on Twitter. Reach out to us. Be part of the discussion. Fellas, Sunday, 325. Until then, tighten up.